tell me if this sounds like you. Ditching the rat race for financial freedom is your rally cry. Shaking off the hustle and grind mentality for time freedom makes you want to do a little dance. Creating a life where your money makes more money for you, now that's your jam. Why figure all of this out? More time with loved ones and the ability to make a meaningful difference in your world. Now that's what drives you. My name is Ginny Townsend. Now, let's up level. What's up, Podcast Nation? Ginny Townsend here, and I'm so thankful that you are here for another episode. I have a very special guest today, someone that people refer to as the Airbnb whisperer, in fact. Her name is Tia Bailey. She started her short-term rental business at 26 after having a wonderful experience as an Airbnb guest in Brazil and has never looked back. With 53 current listings in Washington and Illinois and currently expanding into California and Colorado and plans in motion to redefine what short-term rentals can look like at scale, Tia has no plans of slowing down. Oh, and did I mention she quintupled her business during the COVID pandemic? Tia also loves Huskies, K-pop, and pushing the boundaries of what's possible in business. Welcome to Up Level, Tia. Thank you, Jenny. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to have you here too. So let's get right into this. I'm sure all of our listeners want to ask this, like want to have this time with you and want to ask these questions of you. So let's start at the very beginning. How did you get started with Airbnb? So as you mentioned earlier, I had done a travel abroad trip down to Juiz de Fora, Brazil, and that is about two and a half hours west of where Rio de Janeiro is. Uh, and I went there to go teach English and I was staying as an Airbnb guest in someone else's home. And I realized that this is a, an amazing opportunity that people should be capitalizing on and like the U.S., right? Like my family could be renting out to short-term rental guests, mm. you know, who are really good and really nice versus having my parents rent it out to like long-term mm. guests who would, or tenants who would like damage the property and, you know, cause issues and things like that. And so I came home from Brazil. I was repurposing furniture. This family came and picked up all the furniture and my dad was like, why are you getting all this furniture just out of curiosity? And they're like, oh, we're putting in another Airbnb. And my dad was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, tell me more. And so once he found out how they were like, basically their setup was, he was like, all right, you got 90 days to prove to me that this is going to be a good idea. Because mm -hmm. he wasn't like fully on board with me doing it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Until right. then. And they told him how much money they were making. And he was like, all right, let's do this. You got 90 days. Let's go. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. We did. We together. So your parents listing was the first one that you managed. Yes. right? And yeah. then, I mean, how did you grow from there? That was one and you have many more than one now. Back then, Airbnb used to have a co-hosting program. So basically, I could submit myself to a wait list, and that wait list would be blasted out to homeowners who needed help with their property. And so we could basically bid for hmm. the project or the partnership. So a homeowner would say, hey, I need help with communicating with all my guests online, coordinating, you know, cleaners, blah, 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 blah. And then we would say, oh, hey, you know, this is what I could do. This is how much I would charge. And then it was just a su super cool system. So I picked up my second property from there and moved on to realizing like, oh my gosh, this is really fun. And I really like this whole Airbnb thing. And I think I could probably be a property manager <laughs> if I like tried yeah. this, even though 
the long-term property managers are very different than short-term. And I posted on Craigslist, got a, a house off of there. And then I joined a networking group that quintupled my business the first time. Wow. And I actually want to want to ask you more specifically about this networking group, because I've heard you speak about it before and I was aware of this organization and it's, it's BNI, correct? Yep. And I would have never thought that BNI would be great for growing your Airbnb business. I always thought it was, it was good for things like plumbers and attorneys and, you know, more traditional small businesses, but, but you use BNI to quintuple for the first time, quintuple your business, right? Yeah, it was actually really kind of amazing. I had never gone to any type of business event. I was still really new just in my own business at that point in time. I remember joining in uh, March of 2019 and it was totally, no, 2018, March of 2018. I take that back. And it was totally different than anything I've ever experienced. And there was just this, it felt like I was walking into like the top of the tops think tank basically Mm -hmm. like every week and they all wanted to just help each other and help businesses grow and do all these different things and so I was definitely really nervous but I actually ended up getting my first like referral from them within like my first couple weeks there and that ended up like I could I was able to track that live referral and and come to the meetings each week and the first week was like hey you know because of your so-and-so's you know referral we, that homeowner has $7,000 worth of reservations. And then the next week it would be, Hey, he's up to $16,000 in reservations. And then it would jump to like, Hey, he's got $50,000 worth of reservations in the last two weeks for throughout the summer. Like people were like, Oh my, that caught attention, right? Yeah. yeah. You're using someone's like real referral to like show them like, this is the opportunity that could be held. And then boom, it skyrocketed from there. Love it. I love the objectivity of numbers, right? You can't, you can't fight numbers. I mean, I guess, no, no, you can't fight numbers. They tell the story, right? (laughs) The true story. (laughs) Yes. yes. So you grew rapidly, right? Yeah. A little too fast. I grew rapidly in 2018. We kind of slowed down in 2019 and then I picked it back up in 2020 and now then we grew fast again. So I, did, I wouldn't say I didn't learn my lesson, but like, it wasn't as crazy as before, but it's been quite the ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To dig a little into that, if you could go back in time and tell yourself just one thing when you got started, say you're in the listener, our listener's shoes, they're considering Airbnb, you know, weighing the pros and the cons, trying to figure it out before they jump in. What would have been the one thing you would have told yourself? Uh, The biggest thing I probably would have told myself is to do a lot more research Mm. because I definitely won it. Mm. You know, I didn't have anybody who could help guide me through it. I had nobody to help prepare me for like what bad guests were or how to vet somebody, all these different things. You can learn all week long, but like having someone who could like help you from like a mentor standpoint to like guide you through like, Hey, just know that this crazy crap can happen. (laughs) And this is how you deal with it. Like definitely like just researching a lot more on it and figuring out how to set up good financial structures Mm. so that you're not going into bad debt, that you're operating from a positive standpoint. Definitely. Definitely. That's really good. If I may go back to the research point, do you mean research on specifically doing business on the Airbnb platform? 
or yeah. model in general or it's really when you're getting into the Airbnb industry, you have to figure out like, okay, am I doing this from a homeowner standpoint or am I doing this from an entrepreneur standpoint? Mm-hmm. If you're doing it from an entrepreneur standpoint, there's so many different types of ways of getting into the short-term rental industry. The most common is called rental arbitrage, which is where you rent from a homeowner, you sign a one-year contract, you pay them first last deposit, and then you have to furnish a property and then run it. And then anything that's, you know, your your gross profit minus your expenses, whatever's your net, that's what you get to keep, right? Which mm-hmm. could be extremely lucrative depending on, you know, your, your city and your area. But there's other models that are involved. You can do co-hosting, you can do partnerships with homeowners and other landlords and businesses. And to figure out what is going to be the best one for me to start with, because right. not everybody has the same funds to start with. Not everybody has the same drive. Like you have to know, like, okay, if I got less than $2,500, then the rental arbitrage method is probably not going to be the best option for me because that's not going to get me very far. Mm -hmm. So, okay, how do I take this $2,500 and how how do I at least learn about the industry to know like all the, you know, the ups and downs of like, until I can get my first property. And then it's about, okay, maybe I should do co-hosting where I just reach out to other hosts who have, you know, Airbnb profiles right now and say, Hey, are you looking for someone to help you? I can be an online presence, you know, basically like figuring out how to say, I don't got that capital, but I have the time and the drive to, to do it. And so this is how, this is the, the option for me, maybe starting out with co-hosting and then going into partnerships and then going into rental arbitrage, or, you know, that's maybe your, your plan is a little bit more of a slower buildup because you have a slower start and you don't have access to as much, but right. Like the old <laughs> adage, where there's a will, there's a way. Exactly. Right. There's hundred percent. There's always a, a how to. I love it. Okay. So tell me, after your first year, how many listings did you have? So I got. So I started in June of 2017. So within the first six months, I had three, and then I joined BNI March of that 2018. And between March and September of that year, I had gotten nine new properties. So I was up to 12 within 14 months. So I was picking, that's how fast I was picking up properties. It was insane. Meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. About one a month. Yeah. It was pretty much, and some of them actually came at the same time, but yeah, on average, it's about one a month. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then it was like, okay, we'd get one and then another one would might be selling their home or, you know, like things Mm. happened and they might move or whatever it was. And so it felt like we were, every time we pick one up, we'd end up some other, someone, one homeowner would, you know, like I said, want to do something else with it. And then, yeah, then we went to, came out here to the Illinois area and we went and we got one property and then that was great. So then we got a second one and then we came out and then we did six all of a sudden at the same time. And I was like, whoa. And then I was a part of a, a project out in Kentucky and that was like 24 units during that time frame. That didn't end up going, that was a bad year to go into that economy. <laughs> but then I came out here into Illinois to be where I am right now, which nice. is 36 units and then commercial spaces. Wow. So it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And I definitely, I want to ask you about that in just a moment here, but I feel like I can hear the question of my listeners. They're like, wait, you said she quintupled her business during COVID. Can you, you just paint a picture? What do you mean? Was that quintupled the units, the revenue, the profits? What, what did that Uh, look like for you? I'll leave them. (laughs) Right. So, um, from it, it definitely quintupled my units first off. So when I started in early 2020, I had only had my 12 
that I had. Cause I, like I said, I didn't really grow too much. I kind of just, every house that came in, we swapped it out in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So then we picked up just that year, Justin in 2020 alone with two of my companies. Cause now we introduced an, another company during that time. We had picked up an additional eight. So that added on to it. So then I was up to 20 and then all of a sudden I came out to Kentucky and there we picked up 24 units out there. So that was like, boom, instant, instant double. (laughs) Then then I came out here into Illinois and then it was like, boom, another huge added another 36. Like now you start to, now it's like, oh my gosh, way, way, way too many properties. Right. Um, But yeah. And then even, even without the one, even when we finished the whole Kentucky project recently, like we still like, I'm still sitting at more than 60 technically. Wow. So it's kind of crazy to think that I was like super close to running like almost a hundred. <laughs> right. <laughs> would have been nuts. <laughs> that would have been, yeah. Yeah. And I know, I know you'll hit that for sure. And, and <laughs> but it does increase the revenue too. So it was, a it was increasing, not revenue quite at that five time level, but definitely at the two to three time level. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So let's talk about the project that you alluded to, the 36 units in <laughs> Illinois, that I would imagine you're sitting in that property right now, right? Yeah. yeah. So can you tell our listeners all about your new project? Yeah. So my, I came up with this concept during COVID when I was getting really frustrated with Airbnb and I was like, okay, how do we provide something to travelers that they can feel like they're at an Airbnb? Because, you know, the, the appeal of Airbnb is that it feels more like home. Right. Where, you know, you're not in a hotel setting that doesn't have a full kitchen and it's like not super sterile and who knows what kind of clean it is. Right. <laughs> you know, how do we how do we take that traveler and make them still feel at home, but get them also engaging into the local city? into the into like all of the little activities downtown like how do we get them to spend a dollar staying with us but then five dollars doing something else on site because like with COVID everybody was locked up and so it's like okay well if you're going to be a remote worker you're going to come in and travel and have to be inside you're not going to want to go very far to get like all of your basic needs right so we created a system where it was okay we have a coffee shop then we have a selfie room we have a rentable lounge. We have a, a private rentable conference room. We also have a very large event center and a groom's suite, which is something totally crazy different, but like something where people could go and feel so spaced out from everybody else, but also know that like, Hey, I'm still kind of like a part of everything that's going yeah. on mm-hmm. and you could isolate yourself as much as you wanted, if you wanted that as well. And it just, took off like people were blown away from the idea because you're because we're running every aspect of it so we run our gift shop we run our selfie room we run our coffee shop and so it's not like we have seven or eight different businesses it's one business running seven or eight different businesses and pulling revenue from every avenue wow yeah Yeah. so i mean it's effectively an apartment building like 36 apartments upstairs in the couple Mm -hmm. floors and then all of those stores that you run on the ground floor right yep so it's yeah so we have it's only two floors so we have 27 units upstairs and then we have uh, another nine of them downstairs and the downstairs one we actually turned everything into pet friendly so they could go through all the warehouse portions of everything too because this is the dedicated pet floor yeah very smart so how did you i mean i understand the idea but how did you decide that peoria illinois was 
was the right place or something like this? Was it just the building? I was actually out here. I got, um, we were doing a grand opening for one of our other projects. We got invite to come here on this project, like my partner and I at the time to check this out and see if we wanted it and, or wanted like a couple apartments out of it. And then I came in and I was like, I'm going to take the whole thing. (laughs) And the building owner was like, oh my gosh, this girl is crazy. Like, who is this young 29-year-old girl out of Seattle telling me that she's going to take both of my huge buildings, like commercial and residential. And it was just like this whole crazy thing, but I did. And I told him like, don't sign contracts with anybody else. I'm going to figure out how to get the money and the capital to do this project. And, you know, I ended up selling 30% of one of my other companies for the capital to do this. And I moved here and so did my sister and my niece and brought my Huskies with me. And this is what we do day in and out. We are lofty lovers, lofty lifers. (laughs) Amazing. And that's the name of the company, right? The project It's lofty. Yeah. Lofty spaces and events. Dude, I love that. I love that. That's such a good name. Thank oh you. Gosh. Oh my gosh. And okay. So something that I remember hearing you, I was on a call. I can't remember if it was clubhouse or if it was, yes. but oh, wait, you know, was it the women's, uh, the women's weekend event or it could have been clubhouse. It might've been the women's weekend to be honest with you, but you were talking about how Airbnb itself like since they've gone public, you know, they've majorly capitalized and they are, they're here to stay. Right. And yeah. there've been some cities have put some really, some have put really strict low, yeah. like requirements and some are a little bit more flexible, but it's just different everywhere you go. You talked a little bit about Airbnb kind of swimming upstream more talking about talking with cities about their own zoning and and regulations and trying to create more of an Airbnb friendly yeah. environment in different cities. Would you mind sharing our listeners? I alluded to this actually in a previous episode because it blew my mind. But yeah, would you mind sharing what you've heard from Airbnb about about how they're approaching cities? So right now, the obviously Airbnb knows that they're having you know difficulties in, in all these different cities, and so what you'll, one of the business insider actually came out with an article about Airbnb buying up real estate, commercial real estate in major cities that were preventing homeowners from having Airbnbs. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they were doing that was because they, they're a mixed use commercial space was something that the city has a lot less red tape when in regards to rules, laws, and regulations. And so they started picking up those type of properties and buildings to basically almost not make peace, but like kind of like show the cities like, Hey, Airbnb is not a bad thing. If we have it like maybe a little bit more controlled or whatever it is, like, you know, like where the city, the cities would start feeling more comfortable with them being in their areas. And it definitely drove like two different paths in the sense that you had the hosts that were like, this is total BS. Like they know all of our numbers, you know, they know like exactly where to go. That's going to drive away so much business away from all of like the homeowners and things like that. And then you also have the flip side where it's, man, now you have all these entrepreneurs and you have all of these other people who are now like, Hey, that's not a bad idea of getting more spaces in a smaller area and then having something else for them. 
yeah. but granted like with what airbnb was doing they would have they were renting out to like other businesses down below versus trying to figure out how to do it all themselves right yeah and so it, it was definitely something like super low on the radar and i was telling people i was like hey just a heads up like this is what they're doing so you know be aware of that inside of inside of your city well then i came across a project down in miami florida uh, called nativo n-a-t-i-i-v-o miami com and they are the very first home sharing property that has like 500 condos and then 70,000 square feet of like amenities below but they're the, the first company and project in in the world to have home sharing capabilities you buy the condo you basically get this instant home sharing you can rent it how you want to rent it, rent it to who you want to rent it. It's still privately owned. It's still your own personal condo and whatnot. And like, it just blew my mind. That yeah. project is so awesome. They just broke ground, I think, uh, in February too. Nice. So they're on their way. Nice. And so I'll link to that, that website in the show notes so our listeners can go check them out. But yeah, to have like the whole building with home sharing baked in. Yep. It's a totally different approach. Oh, hundred percent. And they, I mean, they killed it in the amenities portion of things too. And you can see it all on their website. They have, like I said, 70,000 square feet worth of amenities. You're talking pools. You're talking some of the really, the fanciest restaurants and coffee shops and just the whole entire living. And you're on the, you're like overseeing the beach and you can just walk from the cruise lines and you can walk across the street to go to the Miami heat and all these different, um, just awesome stuff that would really attract people to them. And, you know, it was interesting because I had, it's, it's interesting to know that there's multiple people who have similar ideas, right? Because you saw what Airbnb was doing. Then you saw what this company was able, this Nativa company was able to accomplish with their city to get Mm -hmm. guaranteed home sharing in the third most traveled city in the entire world. And then be able to like also do that on a small scale, but. And so like what we can take away from this is it's not slowing down. You know, there may be a couple of different iterations of what it looks like, but there is still room at the table for all of us in the short-term rental market. Yes. hundred percent. And you, I mean, this niche, you can go into so many different portions of it. Like I'm not joking there. It is almost like an ever evolving company, like an ever evolving way to do business and create, generate ridiculous amounts of revenue streams. Like Airbnb is a household name. It's the same type of, on that same level, basically as like McDonald's or KFC or Amazon. Like people know that when you're traveling, you're going to travel most likely on Airbnb because they have, you can have the the variety of the types of homes. You can get a, just a private room. You can do an entire house. You can go live in the mountains or go hang out on the lake and, and just have just such a variety of options mm-hmm. from a traveling standpoint that it's, yeah. I mean, Airbnb is not going anywhere and neither is the short-term rental industry. Exactly, right? Ever. Well, then more specifically, what are some trends that you're seeing uh, over and above what we just mentioned about like Nativo and your project in the short-term rental space in 2021 that could have some staying power. So past any COVID, all of that, like what are some trends yeah. that you're seeing right now? So definitely the Nativo project, people are watching that. They're seeing that and they're like, man, if this is going to be as successful as they think it's going to be, then you're going to start seeing that replicated along all of the major coasts and in all of the major cities. Now, 
I do believe that the Midwest is catching up, starting to catch up to what's going on into the big cities. In my brain, every city also has different phases like that they go through, not the COVID phases, but the <laughs> like phases that they go through to be more restrictive on the Airbnb rules and laws. And so like here in Peoria, they don't have rules yet. Whereas you know, Las Vegas has some of the strictest rules possible in regards to doing it. So it's a matter of like, okay, where can you go that you can do the type of, of business that you want? And then, like I said, to create earlier, like creating an established little niche for it that will super differentiate, but like, it gives you the freedom to say, okay, how can I do more than just Airbnb? Or how can I do this Airbnb thing with a twist? Mm. And that's going to be the new trend is Airbnbs with a twist. How do I get more value for yes. what I'm for? How yes. do I get more cust- like better customer service, better, whatever it is it, that's, it's going to be more about who's got the best amenity, not amenities, but like who's got the best experience value mm. attached to their Airbnb. So that's something to definitely think about, especially if you're going to start growing is it's going to be, what can they do more at the same location? Yeah. So that's really good. And it made me think, so I feel like there's, there's two schools of thought. There's one where like you have the idea outside of the experience of, so like Western kind of style of learning, we learn in a classroom, we don't actually do it. Right. Whereas like more kind of Greece, like ancient Greece, they would learn by experience. So we, I think oftentimes, especially as entrepreneurs, we think about like, what is the solution? We come up with the perfect business plan or whatever, where sometimes it's just better to get in an experience. And that's how you can see what the twist is. Do you think people should, if they're saying, you know what, that sounds like me, I want to be able to come up with something that had like the Airbnb with a twist, the, the next big thing should, would you just advise them to jump on in to experience it? to be able to figure out what their own twist is? Or do you think there is more of an observational model for something like this, for something like a big trend like this? I think like, obviously you can't have an Airbnb with a twist without seeing either a need that people like are looking for or saying, Hey, this is a more efficient way of how you're doing things. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have, you kind of come at it from like one of two real angles like viewpoints on that one. And I think that the biggest thing is you have to make sure that from a financial standpoint that you have stability. If you can do that, then yes, I would go all in. If you have the financial stability to not only launch it, but to kind of keep it floating for a certain period of time, then yeah, I would say, you know, go for it, go for the experience portion of it, especially if you're doing something new or if you're a little bit more risk averse of being like, okay, then biggest thing is you got to see what is comparable to what your idea is. Is Has there been any other data, any other businesses that have done this? What did they do good in? What did they not do good in? But yeah, I, I financially, yeah, that's going to be the biggest one. Okay? That's the biggest thing. <laughs> that's the biggest thing. Cause right. you like someone who has, you know, five or $10,000 in savings you know, jumping into rental arbitrage, you know, that your first house could cost them $10,000. You just wiped out your entire thing. Like, right. don't be so like, don't be so focused on like going so fast when you should be slowing down planning it out, just being a little bit smarter and looking at it from different viewpoints and then making sure your foundation is good so that you can just take off running. That's really good. And then, I mean, the Airbnb with a twist could even be 
co-hosting. It could be involved with co-hosting. It could be involved with ownership. It doesn't even have to be arbitrage or investing in a property too. Like this can still be something about the experience that you can bring to the table. Yeah. It could be like from your co-hosting standpoint that maybe uh, one of the things that stands out is you actually greet everybody or you create some type of cool fun video that takes them on a tour and takes them around town or shows them all the different cool activities that they can do. Uh, Maybe you offer airport pickup and drop-off services or, you know, like there's literally so many different things that you can do to make it seem cool, to make it exciting. Mm-hmm. For, for travelers mm-hmm. like even doing like some type of like a art tour or like even doing all of your homes might have a, a specific artist theme that could be involved like there's just so many <laughs> exactly and I think um you know we've obviously been mentioning COVID throughout this mm-hmm. episode but I think it is it's definitely been a time where we're on the whole I think people feel a little bit more isolated Yeah. Like the data shows. And so I think if there is a way for us to be able to bring some kind of connection, like through Mm -hmm. the experience to the guests, I think that could also be the twist too. I think people are, we're craving that right now, right? Yeah. We want activity. We want something that's going to be fun and stimulating and, and everything like that. And so like having a, maybe going to a house with a farm where you can pet all their farm animals is definitely going to be something that's going to attract local people exactly to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So If our listeners are considering the addition of a short-term rental to their income portfolio right now, what would you tell them? I would say deeply look into the numbers behind the cities, for sure. You need to be running your numbers across long-term. You need to be running across short-term. AirDNA.co is a prime one for most people as they specialize in just like the Airbnb and the VRBO websites. And so it'll help you to establish like, okay, trends, how much did these homes make? What are the top homes? Why were they the top homes? Like in, in going deep dive number into it, but, and don't go into, my suggestion is don't always go into big major cities, mm-hmm. go into smaller cities that have more of a blue collar clientele. Mm-hmm. Can you expand on why you would say that? Because with uh, business travelers are still traveling Mm. everywhere. They're just, they, where they get pushed to work remotely, but then they have to be close to where they need to be in case something that happens and they have to be on site. Right. And as more and more contractors are coming out for, you know, different projects, like there's a, there's a couple, there's always huge major expansions in every state somewhere that they're bringing in like hundreds of people for jobs for it could be for manufacturing it could be for tech it could be for whatever it is and guess what they're all going to need housing because they're all not going to want to stay at the hotels that are charging them like 150 dollars a night and so definitely running your numbers the running numbers is so important don't be distracted by shiny objects yes Yes. (laughs) so good But, you know, actually, so your point of people traveling to a certain area for business projects in, um, so I'm in New York state and in our state, there is, there's a new Legoland being like coming in. And so, you know, like all of, even the execs, everyone like project managers, they're all there, but they're not going to like, they don't want to rent a hotel for however long that's going to take. You know, like a very specific example of what you were saying, Mm -hmm. and it's about an hour outside of New York City. So I I really also like the idea of being like an hour outside of a major city. There is a major appeal for it. If you've got, like I said, something with a twist. Exactly. Exactly. So good. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to share 
about Airbnb, the trends, your current projects that, that I didn't ask about? You know, you, you did really amazing on the questions. I, I mean, the only thing I would add is like, if you were seriously thinking of doing the short-term rental industry, figure out how you want to be a part of it. Do you want to be it as an entrepreneur? Do you want to do it as an investor? Do you want to do it as, you know, coming in as some type of management company or a service? How do you want to be a part of it? Or, in, or multiple, if you're gonna wanna do multiple of those things, how are you gonna wanna do it? And create basically a roadmap of where you are and where you wanna be and how to get there so that you yourself have a plan for each individual action. And then that way, when you're taking each step, you can know like, oh, I'm gonna need to pull in people for this and this and this and this and, you know, but you are your own blockade. So don't just be hoarding information and education, like get out there and take action just put it out there and manifest and it will totally come back. Yep, exactly. It it works. Well, where can our listeners find you online and learn more about what you're working on? Yeah, I, uh, you can find me on tabeely.com. Obviously I have lofty L O F T I E spaces and events. We're on all the social media platforms as well. So that way you can kind of see what my new current project is. You can also email me at info at And I'm always here to help. We got lots of free webinars, uh, videos. I always do educational stuff for just pretty much anybody and everybody. Amazing. Well, I will link to all of those in the show notes. Tia, thank you so much for coming. Anytime. Thank you, Jenny. This was so much fun.